Psalm 100 and verse 4 says this. Enter his gates. That's God's, God's presence. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. I don't know how many times I might have preached from Psalm 100. No idea. But I've got to tell you, when I was getting ready for today and I'm looking at Psalm 100, the impact of that phrase in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, it, it kind of hit me again. And the reason is this. Let me try to paint this picture as best I can for you. In the context of the biblical Old Testament, the worship of God was focused on the temple area. And the temple was made up of different sections. And, and the outermost section was called the court of the Gentiles. Because people who were not Jewish were allowed to go that far towards the temple, but no further. In, in fact, in fact, in the inner part around the court of the Gentiles, there was a low fence, and on every fence post, there was a rock. And, and they were not ornamental. Because at every entrance through then into the next section, there was a warning to Gentiles, if you go any further, you will die. And those rocks were there for a very specific purpose because stoning to death was one method of execution in those days. So if you were a Gentile and not a Jewish person, you could, you, you could come a certain distance towards the temple where God's presence was, but you stayed right out there because you didn't belong in. And, and then for those Jewish people who went in, there was a section that was called the court of the women. So in the, 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 the women's court, the court of women, that defined how far ladies could go. Because in that culture... They were second class. So you had the non-Jews. Then you had, in the next area, ladies could go. I mean, the, you know, Jewish men could go there as well. But for the ladies, that was the only place they could go. And then you went a step further, and you went into the area where the men could go. Beyond that, there was the holy place where only the priests could go. And beyond that, again, was the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go, and he could only do that once a year on the Day of Atonement. So if you weren't a Jew, you stayed on the outskirts. If you were a woman, you didn't go much further. If you were a man, you could only go so far. If you were a regular priest, you couldn't get that close to where the presence of God was. Only the high priest could do that. And then I read this statement in Psalm 100 and verse 4, which says to you and I today, enter his gates with thanksgiving. 
The door's wide open. There is no restriction. There is no differentiation based on, based on race, based on gender, based on status and standing in life or religious titles. There is no difference whatever, but God's invitation to every mortal and to you and I today is this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thank God for that. When, when Jesus died, in the moment that Jesus gave up his life on the cross, Matthew records that the veil in the temple, which was the huge thing that separated the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was, from the outer place. It says this, when he died, the veil was split in two from the top to the bottom. In that moment, as Jesus said, it is finished, the door was open. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Can I make a suggestion to you? You ought to run in here every Sunday morning you possibly can. You know why? Because you can. Because you can. Because God has opened the way. Now, I'm not saying this is, you know, this is God's house and it's not God's house. You know what I'm saying there? Some of you are looking confused. I mean, God doesn't live at 28A Industrial Boulevard, Medford, right? But, but actually, for an hour or two on a Sunday morning, this does become the house of God for us. It's where we meet God and experience the presence of God. That, that's what makes it very special. And, and, and the invitation of Scripture is enter His gates with thanksgiving. There's nobody who's told you can't come in. There's nothing that restricts anyone from being in the presence of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 says this. He himself, that is Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles we're talking about here, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. I was talking about, right? Has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So where does that leave us at? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we can approach God today with confidence. We can enter God's presence, not with guilt, not with fear, not with shame, not with dread. The door is wide open and the invitation is here in the book. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, I've had conversations with some characters, and some of you are here this morning, in, in, <laughs> in years gone by, and the conversation has gone something like this. Uh, you, don't, you don't want me in your church because if I come in there, the roof will fall in. We're good. No, it won't. No, it won't. Because Jesus opened the door wide. Opened the door wide. And it's God who gives the invitation. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's one of the reasons when the guys designed this building for us, I was thrilled the way it worked out where we've got those barn doors at the back and you open those and those aren't just convenient and kind of pretty 
I don't know if they're pretty, but they're interesting. Uh, but they make a statement. And the statement is, hey, these doors are wide so that everybody can come in. God loves us. God cares about us. God wants us. Wherever you've been, whatever you've come from, whatever you've been into, whatever you might have done, the invitation is come, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Revelation 22, 7, whoever hears, sorry, let me start at the beginning. Revelation 22, 7, come. Whoever hears, echo, come. These are God's words. Is anyone thirsty? Come. All who will, come and drink. Drink freely of the water of life. And you know, as much as the Old Testament temple smelled constantly of, 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 of the aroma of the animal sacrifices that were offered, I was thinking about that too the other day. It must have smelled like a permanent barbecue. It's like, that's pretty cool, right? Anyway, sorry, let's keep going. But as much as, you know, the temple would have smelled constantly of the sacrifices that were being made. And you know, as much as that happened back then, wherever God's people gather today, the atmosphere should be filled with thanksgiving to God. Enter his courts with thanksgiving because we can, because he wants us to. And, and if, you want, if you need any more motivation to live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving to God, as, as this psalm continues, verse 5 just underlines for us some reasons why. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We try to stay relevant in our teaching here. There's, there's no good whatever talking about things that don't impact people's lives. So we try to stay relevant. So we'll, we'll look at how the scripture guides us sometimes in different things. How, how to deal with the stresses of life, how to deal with some of the pressures. We'll talk about sometimes what the Bible says about relationships. We'll talk about death and after death. We'll talk about what the Bible says about finance. And what I want to do today for a few more minutes is I want to talk about what the Bible says about God. And, and it gives us here in, in Psalm 100, it gives us these reasons why we should live lives of thankfulness to God. Number one is, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Did, did you, you did, but I'll make it a question. Did you ever have people in your life that when you meet them, maybe they were, you know, you work with them and you go in every day and you're trying to gauge the temperature, Right? Not talking about the air, and you're trying to say, and if, you know, if they're if they're okay, it's going to be a good day. If they're not, a, yeah, right, sure. good, yeah. Some of you might have woken up with one of those today, but it's anyway. <laughs> yeah, but but, but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, one of the great things about God is I can make this statement; it'll never change. The Lord is good. <laughs> the Lord is good, constantly, always. God is good. When, when, when God made the heavens and the earth, 
after every day of creation, he made this comment. It's good. It's good. God does good stuff. The Old Testament commandments he gave to Moses and described them as good. In the New Testament, it tells us God's will is good. In Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will is good. In fact, here's the bottom line, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like sh shifting shadows. Everything that's good comes from God. Why? Because the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now, you may be sitting here today and say, well, I'm pretty... I'm pretty cool with Jesus, but I'm not sure about God the Father. Like, Jesus, I can deal with. God the Father's scary. <laughs> but you know what Jesus said? He said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know what I'm like, that's what the Father's like. If you've seen the Jesus who heard the cry of a blind beggar who said, Jesus, have mercy on me. If you've seen the Jesus who sought out one of the most despised people in his community, Zacchaeus. If you've seen the Jesus who would not condemn an adulteress that others wanted to execute. If you've seen the Jesus who wept over Jerusalem. If you've seen that Jesus You've seen the Father. There isn't a mean senior member of the Trinity lurking in the wings longing to punish us. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now, it's relatively easy to proclaim that God is good when life feels good, right? But if that proclamation is our unchanging truth, it's got to stand firm in the darkest hour too. If God is truly good, He is good when life is not. I'll say that again because only one person said amen and <laughs> we'll see if we can do a bit better. All right. If God is truly good, he is good when life is not. Amen. You're getting there. If you're new to us today, we are dead serious about what we do, but we have fun doing it, all right? If God is truly God, He is still good when relationships are not. He is still good when finances are not. He is still good when health is not. It's so easy to get caught up with our struggles that we can lose sight of the good God who is over all. And when the scripture tells us here, you know, come, come into his courts with thanksgiving, it gives us this reason. It says, for the Lord is good. And whatever happens and wherever you are at today, I just want to remind you, God is good. Your life might be really demanding just now, but don't lose sight of the fact God is still good. Well, if God's good, why? No, God's good. 
God's good. There's no if. There's stuff we can't understand. There's stuff we would rather have done without. But the reality is the unchanging truth is this. The Lord is good. We live a life of gratitude for the Lord is good. And here's the next thing it says. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Psalm 46 is one of my favorite psalms. And there's a phrase in Psalm, uh, in psalm 46 that's repeated twice. It's in verse 7 and it's in verse 11. Your 7-11 verse for today, folks. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Why not the God of whoever, Moses? Why not the God of Abraham? The God of Jacob. All right, let's do a brief recap because I'm, it would be crazy to assume that everybody in the room is, a, is, is aware of the story of Jacob in the Old Testament. So let's do a recap. Um, the Bible says this, first of all, Jacob was a twin. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. And, and, and the Bible says this, Jacob, that God loved Jacob. Now, don't ask me to go into that. Does God have favorites? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I went to a non-accredited college, all right? And some of you are saying it shows, right? Okay. All right. So, so I don't know. I'll just tell you what the book says. Is that okay? I think if I stick to it, I, I, rec I reckon that's how I've kept going all these years. I just keep to what this book says. So the book says God loved Jacob. Now, his brother Esau was like a man's man. He was the hunter. He was constantly in the forest, out to get food for the family and whatever else. Jacob was a wimp. He stayed at home with his mom making recipes. All right? Now, I got nothing wrong with guys who want to, you know, I cook myself. I love cooking. Don't get me wrong here, all right? I may have just got myself in trouble there. But anyway... You, you get the point? He stayed home. He stayed home with mom. He did. And, and, and his brother went and did all the hunting. And, and then Jacob tricked his brother into giving him what was called the birthright, which was the special benefit of the firstborn because Esau had actually been the firstborn of the twins. So he got a bunch of benefits that was the way they did things then. And, and then on top of that, he would have got a special blessing from their father but, but what happened was that Jacob tricked his father into giving him that blessing. And then when Esau got really ticked off about all of this, uh, Jacob ran away from home. And when he was on the run, he had an encounter with God. And it was many years later that he finally returned home. And he came back a wealthy man. And here's the thing. God loved him through all of that when he was not doing the right thing. When he was 
stealing from his brother. God still loved him. Every single one of us here this morning, those of you watching with us online, every single one of us has got a story, right? We've all got a story. But here's the wonderful thing. The God of Jacob is our God too. The God who loved Jacob through it all is the God who's loved us through it all and loves us still today. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He never changes. His love is a given. And like Jacob, you may have wandered far away or had to, you, you, you know, from where you once were. But, but the fact is this. God's love for you has never changed. His love endures forever. There's another reason why we should live lives of thankfulness and gratitude to God. Because God's love has been unfailing. And here we are today, still loved by... Look, look, let's, let's tell the truth. If you were God, would you have given up on you somewhere along the road? Come on, tell the truth. Don't sit there looking innocent. Right, right? Is, I, mean, I mean, honestly, isn't, isn't that true for most of us? Like, if I was God, I'd say, forget it. You know, I got better opportunities. But here we are today. Loved by Almighty God. What terrific motivation to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude. And, and, and here's what it says as well in verse 5. It says, the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. His love endures forever and His faithfulness. I'm going to date myself here and that's easily done, but a number of years ago there was a, a big thing, a TV series based on, a, based on a book by Alex Haley. It was called Roots. Some of you remember that? Darn, you're old too. <laughs> and, and Alex Haley apparently in his office he had an unusual picture hanging on the wall. And the picture that was on the wall of his office was a turtle on top of a fence post. And Haley used to tell the story, if anybody asked him, why the picture? What is it about the picture? He would tell them, every time I write something significant, every time I read my words and think they're wonderful, I begin to feel proud of myself. I look at the turtle on top of the fence post and remember he didn't get there on his own. He had help. We are who we are today and we are where we are today because we had help. We had help because his Faithfulness continues 
through all generations. It's a great phrase in Psalm 42 where it says this, I will boast of all his kindness to me. And for so many of us today, we could say our story is that God is faithful. We live in a world of incredible change. Now, if you're here today as a teenager, it's like, you, you know, you must get fed up with people from my era or, or even less, you know, younger, saying, you know, you know, I can't believe I can't keep up with all the changes because to you it's how life is. But for many of us, it's not. I mean, we've seen so many things that were magical, wonderful inventions come and go in our lifetime, right? I mean, how many of you still use your VCR? <laughs> I mean, God bless you if you do, enjoy. Um, but, but really, really, but, but for some of us here today, I can't remember when we first got one. We thought we'd won the lottery. It's like, wow, this is magic. Just put the tape in the slot and we're good. And the woman who lived next to us worked in a video store. We'd get all the videos we wanted for free. It was wonderful. And then they went, right? Darn. I'd sit on a plane with my iPod and think, wow, I'm the bee's knees here with this thing. Right? <laughs> I've got all my own music here on top. And it's like, and where did they go? So much changing. But God is today what he was for those who lived in the days of this book. God today is the same God as he was to the Apostle Paul or to Mary, the mother of Jesus, or to Joseph back in the Old Testament or to any of the heroes of faith. God can be counted on because he is the same today as he ever was. His faithfulness continues through all generations. If God's been good to you in the past, I want to tell you this, he will always be good. If God has shown himself loving, he will always be loving. If he has seen you through difficult times, then his faithfulness continues and he will still see you through difficult times because God is faithful. Live a life of gratitude to God. Live a life of thankfulness because he's good. Because his love endures. Because his faithfulness continues. In, in the city of Edinburgh in Scotland, there's a, uh, there's a little cemetery, and it's called Greyfriars Kirkyard. And Some of you might well know this story, but opposite the entrance to Greyfriars Kirkyard, there's a statue to a little dog, a Sky Terrier, by the name of Bobby. And Bobby's owner, back in the, back in the 1800s, Bobby's owner, John Gray, had a job as a watchman. And he worked as a watchman and was always accompanied by his little terrier, Bobby. And then John Gray died in 1858 and was buried in the churchyard. But Bobby wouldn't leave his graveside. He stayed there all day, every day, with the exception of at one o'clock. 
And at one o'clock in the city of Edinburgh, this started earlier in the 1800s, a cannon was fired from the top of Edinburgh Castle that looks down over the city center. The cannon was fired at one o'clock. It was started so that the boats who were in the Firth of Forth out in the sea could hear it and they could adjust their clocks to make sure they were exactly right. So at precisely one o'clock, the cannon was fired. Still is. Every day of the week except Sundays and with the exception also of Good Friday and Christmas Day, the one o'clock gun can be heard through the city of Edinburgh. And what had happened was with Bobby was that his master, John Gray, at one o'clock took his break. And when the, when, when, when the cannon was fired, John would go off to a coffee shop in the city and would, would get, get some coffee and something to eat there. Bobby would come and he'd wait outside and the owners would give him a little bowl of water. And when his master died, Bobby spent all his time at the graveside, except that at one o'clock when the cannon was fired, he went to the coffee shop. And the owners started to see him still there and they started to feed him and give him water every day. And Bobby stayed there faithfully, and he guarded his master's grave for 14 years till he died himself. And he became such a legend that the city of Edinburgh erected a statue of him so that his faithfulness would be remembered. There's a song we sing sometimes, and some of the words go like this. They're addressed to God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And this Sunday morning, I want to just remind you that thanksgiving isn't one day in November, but thanksgiving is what God encourages us to make our lifestyle. Enter his gates with thanksgiving because the door's wide open and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That is living grateful. Let's pray together for a moment. And as we just bow our heads and pray together, let's just remind ourselves that God's love endures. That we are loved by God. No matter who you are listening today, no matter where life is for you, God's love for you is very real. And maybe today God's reaching out to you in a special way just to remind you of that. And I want to encourage you just to open your heart to God's love. God, help us, I pray, to live lives full of gratitude and thanksgiving to you, for you are worthy of all 
that we can offer you, the praise that we can give you, the thanks that we can express. Thank you, Father, for your great goodness. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing this last song with the band.